Hello and welcome to Rum and Records, the podcast dedicated to the joy of vinyl grooves and brown booze. I'm your host Craig Smith and I'm joined by my ever-present co-host Craig Templeton. Coming up on this week's show, Unknown Pleasures. We celebrate the underdog, the less heard about and the underappreciated. And we even dare to sample another British crafted rum. Please be aware this podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Please enjoy alcohol responsibly. Hello, uh, welcome again to another episode of Rum and Records. We're coming to you from uh, from London. This time we're in the uh, the area of Shoreditch, uh, one of the kind of cooler areas of London, shall we say? A very much a kind of musical haven with uh, many good record stores. Uh, very much a kind of creative hub and uh, a kind of sort of a mecca for the the young and the hip, like Craig and I. Like the two of us, absolutely. So anyway, Craig, what have you been up to? What have you been listening to? What's been happening since we last did the podcast? Well, um, as a matter of fact, I met you in Rough Trades because I was picking up a record. And it's a band called Chronophage or Chronophage or something like that. I don't know how you would pronounce that. And the album's called Prologue for Tomorrow. And it's actually an album made up of different recording sessions. It's mainly just kind of demo quality stuff. But there's a song on it in particular that I'm absolutely obsessed with called Double Suicide. Um, Is this like your son you want to chat to me about tonight? No, 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 it's just such a good track. Um, It's got, I don't know, it's just kind of off kilter. It's, I don't know if it's out of tune or what. There's something that's kind of feels slightly off with it, but it's also got really good pop sensibilities. And a a kind of, a chorus that everybody can join in. All right, so it's, it's very much uh, kind of sing-along anthemic chorus. Eh, uh, uh, no, no, not quite. Maybe not, but I tell you what, I'll play a clip of it. Aye, let's let, let's have a wee uh, let's have a wee listen to it. Yeah, yes, I have. I uh, maybe not quite anthemic, but certainly, uh, certainly got a melody that wants makes you want to kind of. I, I just like that. By along. the way, it's like double suicide. Like, yeah, it's cool. I just don't know. I really enjoy it. So other than that, I made it back to Glasgow, ate Aye. a lot of good Indian food, hung out at Mono, um, listened to Black Midi, do a sound check. Didn't get to stay, unfortunately. Um, but I also found. Old Monk in Glasgow. Spotted. I took a little picture. You might have seen it on our stories. Aye. But yeah, aye, Old Monk is available in Glasgow. So to all our Glasgow listeners, I know there's a few of you, um, you should go and buy some Old Monk. And where was it again? It was on Great Western Road. It's on Great Western Road in that uh, wonderful booze shop, The Cave, which oh, I find aye. quite a lot of great things in there. Aye, it's good in there. It's in their window display. They've got a whole window just chock-a-block with rums, and one of them is Old Monk. So get yourself down, Glaswegian listeners. Yeah, you have it from Craigie T. What about yourself? 
Well, I have been uh, uh, feeding my addiction, um, <laughs> my rum addiction, <laughs> and my record addiction, uh, I have to say, over the last few weeks, particularly on the record side. I just feel like at the moment I'm, I'm fucking buying stuff left, right, and center. Um, particularly at the moment, not so much new stuff. I'm I find myself on Discogs, on eBay a lot. Yeah. And, and quite a lot of the stuff sort of influenced by the stuff that we've been chatting about over <clears throat> over the course of these podcasts. Um couple of new things have came out um, the new Mannequin Pussy which uh, very much a band that you introduced me to yeah I'm a huge advocate of the Mannequin Pussy great personality of a band that very much comes across um, in their music in their, their Instagram if you follow them on uh, any social media platforms and even in some of their uh, videos that accompany some of their singles videos are great certainly a band that um, you guys should be checking out if you're, if you're into that sort of thing uh, other than that yeah, lots of lots of sort of older purchases. Um, some of the records I'm going to talk about actually later on uh, during this episode. So the the title of this uh, podcast is Unknown Pleasures, and there was a famous uh, album anniversary very recently. There was a Ruby anniversary. A Ruby anniversary, and it was celebrated with a, a release of uh, a beautiful ruby coloured pressing mm-hmm. of the album to mark its fortieth anniversary. And the album was, of course. Um, Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures which was obviously their debut album um, great album and uh, we, we thought we kind of like to mark the occasion um, so bizarrely we're not going to talk about the album yeah that's all you're getting but we're, we've kind of taken inspiration from the title Unknown Pleasures and so Craig how have we uh how are, we, how are we interpreting that title to sort of take inspiration for this this uh, this episode? Well, we've went from our last episode, which was Yacht Rock and quite mainstream tracks from the, the late 70s and early 80s, and we've decided to take our heads and shove them squarely up our arses <laughs> and start talking about things that generally you, you can't really find in most places. You'd be very troubled to find them on streaming services. You may be able to find them on YouTube and SoundCloud, that sort of thing. But yeah, these are pleasures that are generally unknown. Even we may not have heard each other's choices. And that's going to be our unknown pleasures. However, don't say that we're not linking it to um, Joy Division because we're going to try out a rum that neither of us have tried. So hopefully it will become an unknown pleasure. Yes. And that rum... Craig, you purchased it. What I is this from? Indeed. So again, it was I, I, it was a very much a nod to the band. Many people know the band were, although not all from this area. They were they were basically formed in Salford, in the northwest of England. And uh, I did notice recently on my travels there is a, a Salford rum. Now this is a bit of a risk for Craig and I. I think we've been very vocal in her. Uh, sort of uh, feelings towards British rums. Um, but this one really did catch my eye. It's in a beautiful white ceramic bottle detailing a map of the sort of uh, uh, the Manchester ship canals. And it's very much a celebration of the spices and the, the liquors that came into Salford and to Manchester area during the early sort of 1900s. I've not tried it yet. I don't know what it's going to be like. I've got some fairly high expectations of this. Uh, it wasn't cheap either, um, so it was about forty quid a bottle. Again, for a British rum, you're taking a huge risk there with a with a with an unknown. And, and as Craig says, hopefully it's an unknown pleasure that will become a known pleasure. Well, um, let's crack the seal. Aye, do let's it. Do it. I'll let Craig, you do the honours. It's the... an interesting bouquet. 
Interesting bouquet. I don't really know if I'm Oof, he's not liking the smell to begin with, right. but you give it a little sniff. Give it a little Right, it's... I'm getting a lot of getting kind of peppery notes. I think this is going to be quite, hopefully not overly spiced. There's going to be a lot of spice to it. Um, so we'll stop sticking our noses in it and we'll actually get some in our gullets pretty soon. So uh, let you shot. Give that a little swirl with some ice. It's very light in colour. It kind of. But it packs a punch and smell. It smells like whiskey. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to give it a sip now. It's actually pretty smooth. Yeah. I. Um, I've got some sort of uh, decent expectations that it'll be good with coke and a little bit of that lime juice in there just to cut through it. No, I have to say the smell that I wasn't really too fond of has actually became a taste that I'm quite enjoying in this. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. I tell you what's not prevalent in this and in some ways I'm actually quite glad because it's overused and I think quite often it's, again, that word synthetic version of that vanilla yeah, taste. There's, n- there's not really a lot of vanilla in there. So um, I'm kind of glad about that. So it's different from a lot of rums you'll taste. Um, I think we'll have a few more of these and we'll... we'll I'm going to... We'll uh, my it. aim is to finish the bottle and then by the end of it, enjoy it. Hmm. So that is the rum, Craig. Um, we we did say that this podcast is a little bit of an opportunity for us to sort of, as you put it, get up our own arses about some of our kind of more obscure musical tastes. And for me, this is very much about Three things is celebrating the uh, the unknown, uh, perhaps the, the underrated, and in many cases, as we'll come on to, the kind of unattainable. So artists that is very difficult to get to hear their music because they're not on streaming services. And I think, though, we're not just doing this for the sake of it. These are artists that we believe are... These are songs that are very credible and they mean a lot to us. These songs are the reason that I still have iTunes on my computer and on my phone because they host yeah. these tracks and like you say they're not on streaming services usually and I'm going to begin with a track that its only physical release is on a cassette so we're we're, you <laughs> we're moving away from fucking cunt <laughs> we're moving away from I'm a shortage with your fucking cassettes <laughs> Yeah, anybody that's that's been following the Roman Records account will notice that sometimes I've been celebrating Cassetterdays. <laughs> Cassetterdays? Uh, Cassetterdays, Is yeah. that a Saturday? Cassetterdays? I've been listening to cassettes on Cassetterdays. This is a... It's quite a local band for us. It's a, it's a band... Well, I say a band. It's one person from Glasgow. His hey. name is uh, Lewis Cook. And this track was under the pseudonym of Mother Ganga. Like the Ganges. Oh, the Ganges. Oh, nice. Um, and I can't even remember how I discovered this track, but I do remember that there was like a record convention in some obscure little bar in Glasgow. And I managed to pick up quite a few decent records there. I bumped into this stall and it was a record label called Instructional Media. And all they did was sell cassettes. And this cassette was this lovely kind of reddish kind of pinkish colour. And decided, fuck it, I'm going to buy it. It turns out it's only limited to 100. Uh-huh. Um, and this was years ago. You can't find it online to purchase the cassette. However, the band camp is still open. And here's the, the amazing thing. You can name your price when you buy this album. I would definitely recommend hunting this down after you've had a listen. Mm-hmm. But Instructional Media wasn't just there so that he could release his own music. They actually released another tape 
Um, this one was a compilation called The Instructional Media Guide to Mindful Internet Explor- <laughs> Exploration. Brilliant. And that featured solo work from Steve Livingston that was from Errors. Uh, he had a band called Clipart. And a whole host of other Glasgow bands like Tangles and... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty decent. That one you do have to buy on Bandcamp. And... I think they're available on Discogs as well. They might find a cassette or two right. on there. Right. Again, limited to 100. So you might have to pay a wee bit for it. Yeah, and I just love this track. It's it's kind of hazy, analogue synths with some really kind of fucked up drum beats um, and some vocoder vocals. It's really, really oh, strange, nice. but really bouncy and gets you going. And it was all recorded in his girlfriend's bedroom. So I was reading into this. There was a, re- a really good interview in The Skinny from years ago. They were looking at several Scottish artists and where they record their music. And this one was Lewis. They love Lewis. No, no, Lewis Cook. The, the oh, guy. <laughs> this one was Lewis, Lewis Cook. And he, was, um, he said that he was currently in between flats. And the last few months, he'd actually just decided to stay with his girlfriend. And he decided to make music in her bedroom. And there was some, there's some really interesting things about how he likes to record music. He says, for me, lighting and smells are important, sometimes more important than the immediate physicality of a space. So I like to light incense and sometimes use coloured light bulbs and projections when I'm writing and recording music. Nice. Aye. Um, and it's so interesting. Like he, he talks about how he, he used to record loops of audio and leave them playing for hours and hours and hours just so that he could get in the mind space and understand where he was going to use them. Glasgow is a huge inspiration for him. Obviously, the weather can can give mm. it that kind of melodramatic feeling. But he's not from Glasgow. Where's he from? He's originally from Moffat. From Moffat, down in Dumfries and Galloway. Down in Dumfries and Galloway, down the road. Well, that is the first, but not the last, Dumfries and Galloway connection that we're going to have on this podcast is it? tonight. Oh, that is exciting. Um, cool. So the track that I'm going to talk about is a track called Do I. I think it's the the standout track from this cassette. So when did you say this was out? Was this it? came out in 2012. 2012. So seven years ago. Mm. But it's still, it's still an absolute banger. I absolutely love this well, track. I'm very excited about it. I've never heard it. I'm, I'm dying to hear this. I really liked it I hadn't heard it before yeah very danceable very lo-fi um, it's got a nice kind of homemade bedroom feel to it mm. um, which I, I love that kind of sound mm. I really enjoyed it really enjoyed it um, I did ask you there as well I was like is he still recording what happened to him and you're like hold that thought because I'll come back to it so he did start recording in his girlfriend's bedroom him and his girlfriend then decided, let's make music together. All right. And they formed another Glasgow band um, that you may not know, but you might have heard of. They were called Happy Meals. Happy Meals? No. No, Happy Meals. They were on night school. They then rebranded themselves to a band called Free Love. 
And they've been touring around the world um, supporting the Flaming Lips. Aye. Aye, so they've been picked up. Um, they've been to places awesome. like Austin. I think they were in Bangalore and in India. Fucking um, hell. I wouldn't say that I'm into the music as much. I, I think this is where his strong point is, Aye. is this kind of bedroom pop, and I really enjoy it. But, but if you want to hear more and you want to own something on vinyl, then go and hunt down Free Love or Happy Meals. Um, but yeah, you can you can search a little bit more. The album is Pineal Soup, so P I N E A L Soup. And as I said, just search for Pineal Soup Bandcamp, and you'll be able to download that for whatever price you feel fit. Nice. Well, great start to uh, unknown pleasures. Um, and first class down of the room. Yeah, and it's I have to say it's it's actually getting better with every sip. And we actually did get a follow on Instagram tonight, bizarrely, before we even opened the bottle or talked about we were going That's to have so this. so strange, they started following us. But uh, Silverdrum started following us. Um, so they must have known. They've, they've got a sixth sense about this kind of stuff. So, But uh, no, great great song, Craig, and a great artist tonight, and good start to this, uh, to the, these selections of, of unknown, underappreciated artists, and certainly one that I didn't know, so uh, thanks for that. Uh, moving on to my selection. Yes is uh, now this is not a, an artist or a band that you will not have heard of they've had several top 10 hits both in the UK and the US and it might be a bit of a weird one like Craig why is this on Unknown Pleasures when everyone knows about this band I'm, I'm intrigued um, now despite all these hits I think they probably became best known for or best remembered as being the band that burned a million pounds and, and filmed it. KLF? Yes. The band is, of course, the KLF. Uh, yeah, another male duo of uh, Bill Drummond and, and, and Jimmy Cotty. Now, Bill Drummond, of course, although he wasn't born there, he was born in South Africa, he was basically brought up in Dumfries and Galloway. <laughs> Good lad. Um... Really interesting character. Uh, his dad was a minister in the Church of Scotland, and I think a lot of this was influenced by you know throughout his kind of his life. I won't even call it his his, his career. Um, couple of facts if you don't know about the KLF, but it's just maybe worth even if you do because these things you forget. Worth reminding you of. Um, in 1991, they were the biggest selling British artist worldwide. Um, they had four songs in the top ten that year in the UK what? and the US. Absolute mental. <laughs> uh, so this was kind of the, 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 their heights. In 1992, they were named as the best British uh, group at the Brit Awards, and uh, they were invited to perform their number one hit, which was 3AM Eternal. Um on, on the show and so they did that uh, but they decided to rec- to perform it in a slightly different <laughs> in a different way to what has become accustomed to the song so they rec- they basically performed it with uh, the band Extreme Noise Terror oh, which is basically yes. like a metal band uh, and then Bill Drummond uh, came on stage looking a bit like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando complete with the kind of stogie in the mouth and the AK-47 and proceeded to fire blank bullets into the crowd. <laughs> uh, if that wasn't enough, at the after party, they actually left a dead sheep 
<laughs> in the foyer of the hotel of the after party and uh, everyone was like what the fuck is going on here this is like a stunt to promote stuff but pretty much from then on that was them they were gone that was it done that was it they were gone they, they disappeared to a remote Scottish island they burned a million dollars in cash or sorry a million pounds in cash shortly after that they removed their entire back catalogue uh, of recorded music from any service but it is worth mentioning and going back a little bit before that so they, the, the band had many incarnations quite famously as um, the justified ancients of Mumu or the Jams as they were better known uh, and they did some really I think it's heavily heavily sampled uh, hip hop kind of beats you know this, this is a guy from I think Brighton and a guy from like, Dumfries doing like hip hop and sampling like the Beatles all you need is love and all this kind of stuff and you know just it's almost unreleasable because it's so sampled that they're just going to get sued to shit <laughs> and I think that's when the name actually the, the KLF came around because it's the uh, the copyright liberation front is kind of what it stands for uh, but anyway they decided to kind of retreat from that but still paying homage to this heavily sampled stuff they thought ah oh, well I think we can kind of exploit this and they released a song under the moniker The Time Lords and oh, it was called Doctor in the Tardis I know this one uh, and it samples heavily uh, Gary Glitter's uh, yeah exactly uh, Gary Glitter's the uh, leader of the gang and have you ever seen the song. video of that ah, it's, absolutely oh, it's just some random wee car just ah, driving it's a the police distance. car oh, chasing away and then you've got some <laughs> shitty Dalek coming out of her it's weird but the thing is it went to number one in 1988 and it sold like fucking crazy amounts of oh. crazy amounts of records and uh Shortly after it, they, they actually wrote a book about it called The Manual. How to write a number one. Uh, how to write a number one the easy way without like, kind of basically zero talent, zero anything. Short, shortly after that, I think they kind of got back to their, their, their kind of roots, but particularly Jimmy Cottier, and he'd been on to do like, other things since. But in, in 1990, and this is really what I want to talk about because it's very much less unknown, they released an album called, uh, called Chill Out. And it's really regarded as... I think one of the earliest sort of ambient house albums. Uh, it's and it's all. I would say it's probably seminal as well. I think it's very influential to a lot of ambient artists. It was recorded in Jimmy's flat um, in London, or his squat, I think it actually was, and it was done in one continuous take. The whole album. The whole album was done in one continuous take, and they basically said if we fucked it up, they went back to the start and recorded it again. It's only 44 minutes long. It's one way of doing it, though. Um, and where a lot of, a lot of, sort of uh, electronic artists at the time were sort of, things were heavily layered and multi-tracked, they almost went completely against that grain and thought, right, we're just going to do this as one continual take. And don't get me wrong, there was obviously post-production. There was uh, a lot of uh, unintentional contributors that are actually mentioned on the, on the album, uh, on the sleeve, on the notes of uh, big thanks to... Uh, artists like Fleetwood Mac, uh, Elvis Presley, you know, <laughs> huge artists who were like complete uh, unintended, not uh, willing sort of contributors of this album. And perhaps maybe this is part of the reason why they did uh, withdraw this from uh, from the kind of back catalogue. Quite an unusual album. It's um, It mainly consists of environmental sound so you hear like cars going by you hear mm. aeroplanes you hear train noises you hear birds you hear sheep you hear 
you know, kind of noises you would hear as part of a journey. Uh, so you can hear almost like the radio going on. There's like chanting in the background. Um, and there's practically no beats to it as well. There's like almost like no drums right. to it. So yeah, it's a, it's a very, very interesting album. It's, I think, very influential to a lot of artists who released ambient type chill out music. It is best enjoyed rather continuously, but I think we'll, I'll try and pick out um, one song here. Uh, so it's, I think it's the first song off side B of the album. And it's got a great sample of a, a previous song we featured on the podcast, which is uh, Fleetwood Mac's uh, Albatross. And it's one of the few tracks to feature any kind of beats. Um, and the song is called 3AM Somewhere Out of Beaumont. And I like to like play a little sample for you now. Uh, I did not expect you to bring something like this to the table. I don't even know how to describe it. I felt like I was in an art installation. Yeah. It's, um, and it, walking through all these different aspects and hearing samples coming from all over the mm. place. Um, it's quite incongruous to hear like Albatross just, just coming in. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and it, when you said there was beats involved, I thought maybe it would have more of a steady pace, but it is. It's just more kind of... Mm. Light percussion and clicks and elements of noise and washes of mm. white noise. Definitely. Um, I love the cover as well. I, I do like a, a bunch of sheep on that cover. That's really cool. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a great cover. It's it's one of those records, I think I said before, it, Like the more you listen to it, the more different things you notice and pick up and that you didn't the, the, the listen before. And I love that any album like that where you're like, fuck, I didn't notice that, or Aye. wow, I've picked up this little kind of beat, this little sample, this little noise, this little harmony, whatever it happens to be. And as I say, it's one of those things, it's, it's not easy to access now. I mean, I, to, I got this on Discogs, on vinyl. Um, you can get it on YouTube, the full album is on there, a continuous play in some of the tracks. Um, very much an unknown pleasure, and hopefully now it becomes one of your known pleasures. So we went from bedroom electro to kind of banging beats, upbeat synths, to more of a come down um, and I'm going to keep us in that kind of bedroom pop sphere good but still with a, a kind of ambient vibes and a little bit of orchestration mm. and uh, you actually have this on CD because it was my CD <laughs> <laughs> Do you know and it's what? only available on CD I think I might have sold it on this no I didn't <laughs> I've got it somewhere this is John Quill John Quill and their album Lions. Mm-hmm. So John Quill are an interesting band. They were huge in their native town of Oxford. Is that where they're from? They're from Oxford. Is that where uh, your man Hugo's from? Yes. So John Quill are, are the, the pre-Chad Valley Hugo Manuel um, band. And it started off with Hugo just being a 20-year-old multi-instrumentalist in his bedroom. And he released his first album called Sunny Casinos in 2006. Right. Followed up by Lions, which is the album I want to talk about, in 2008. Uh-huh. And then they had a third album 
which was called 100 Sons, and I don't really want to talk about that too much because, you know, three album rule, it got a bit pish. 100 Sons? Um, but the first two albums really, really kind of pushed towards the sounds of like the microphones, Animal Collective, mm. and even like kind of more kind of modern folk like Fleet Foxes. Yeah. Um, first album was just him in his bedroom, like I said. Played every single instrument. Have you got that, the first one? I do have that on do CD. You? Yeah, I, get, I, I thought I'd given it to you, but I found it. No, I've never heard that. Right, it, it's, it's a little bit more distorted. By the second album, the band had actually expanded to six members and had everything from violins and different stringed instruments to a couple of guitars, accordions, wow. drums, Good percussion. Time. And it really had that full-on Beirut feel. Aye. Which is really interesting. When you go back and listen to it, it sounds a lot like Beirut. But the key thing was, they came out pretty much at the exact same time. Oh, really? Yeah, so... I think Gulag Orchestra by Beirut, their first album, again, recorded just by one person in a bedroom, came out in the same year. It came out in 2006. And same with Lions. Lions, their second album, and... What was Beirut's second? Flying Club Cup? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, that came out around about the same month even. The unfortunate thing is that John Quill never really got picked up. And I actually was introduced to them when I was attending a gig for a band called Youth Movie Soundtrack Strategies. Um, they were later shortened just to Youth Movies. Mm-hmm. And they were playing in the Barfly in Glasgow. Okay. But not the downstairs in the Barfly, upstairs. Upstairs. So basically right next to the bar, I was rammed. Because there was another band playing downstairs. So they had two gigs going on in the tiny what? bar fly at the same time. That's madness. I was. I think there was like a metal band downstairs. What oh, for fuck's sake? So I got there, wanted to see youth movies who are really, really um, kind of proggy, long drawn out songs. Generally four songs will last a whole set. Yeah. And supporting them was this band that really, uh, the first thought that popped in my head was it was sounding like The Cure singing Sea Shanties. So I fell in love with the band as soon as I saw them and bought both albums. And they were released through a record label called Try Harder, mm-hmm. who were an Oxford-based record company who were owned and started by the guitarist of Youth Movie Soundtrack Strategies, which right. is Al English. But here's just a little side note. Try Harder had some amazing acts that went on to some really big things. So, For example? Foles. Fucking hell. Their first... Uh, massive now? First first few kind of uh, things were released the Oxford era, they, they are and actually the singer from Youth Movie Soundtrack Strategies used to be the singer for Foles and then he decided to focus on <sighs> Youth Movies more Ooh. which then brought Yanis into the fold as the singer another band Blood Red Shoes oh, aye they were aye. also on Try Harder also some post-rock bands like Red Jetson a band called The Joy Formidable that I had no idea who it oh, was oh fucking hell to them um, and one of my favourites is Adam Gennady who is an American spoken word artist who's also a an author and I have one of his novels signed by him because he supported youth movies again uh, this time at King Tut's when when would you say this was what 2006 2000 this would have been 2007 that I saw this band okay you're cutting about getting books signed cutting about getting books signed and all that sort of stuff okay yeah and I remember actively searching for everything I could about this band in 2007 and stumbling across an episode of um, La Blogotech. Do you know what that is, La, La Blogotech? No. It's a, it's a YouTube collection of what they call takeaway shows 
where they have bands walk about Paris and perform their songs live. It became really, really famous. They had bands like Fleet Foxes, Seagull Ross, right? Um, all these bands just playing in odd locations. And it was directed by a person called Vincent Moon, who then went on to direct the Mogwai film Burning. So it was so interesting that such a kind of small band from Oxford were featured it's in those that, videos. Yeah, with those kind of big artists. Um, it was episode, if I'm right, 72. I'm not going to play Lions purely because my old flatmate, Dan, used to have to hear me play that song near enough constantly. It was my, I was obsessed with it and I would listen to it all the fucking time. And he would literally, like, just bang his head against the wall. So I'm not going to play that just for him. <laughs> uh, I am going to play a track off that album. It's called Subtle Strains. Subtle Strains. Subtle Strains. And it's it's just your kind of general little kind of whispering into the mic with an acoustic guitar and then builds up into this wonderful kind of uplifting brass instrumentation. Uh, and I love that brass band kind of vibe. Yeah, I do. I'm a huge Beirut fan, so... um. I'm, uh, I'm sure I've heard this before having been lent the CD and still got it <laughs> this is John Quill with Subtle Strains Nice we uh, revisit uh, to, to John Quayle there. Um, I, I can't say that I, I remember that song, I'll be honest with you, but I think you described it really well. It reminds me of some of the early kind of Decemberist type, ah, type yeah, tunes. Yeah, yeah. They, they were kind of fans of the whole accordion type sound. And I it was, it, it did certainly evoke sort of memories of, of that band. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will have heard of. But John Quayle, I suppose I came at it kind of, the other way from you because like you introduced me to Chad Valley and then went back to John Quill and so yeah that's that's my second track we're going to move on to your second track now Craig so yes my next uh, my next track and this is again maybe going back to more kind of familiar territory for me um, my second choice is from I suppose the kind of lo-fi indie rock camp uh, that I that I love and uh, this is a four piece Hailing from uh, Chicago, um, the band is called Number One Cup. Uh, I first saw this band live in Glasgow at the good old Cat House. Now, the interesting thing is it wasn't even their gig. They were supporting the band. And uh, it was 95, 96, and I didn't have an older brother or any brothers, actually. Um, but I did have an older cousin and... I guess at that kind of young, kind of teenage uh, age, you kind of look for kind of musical kind of influences, role models, people who teach you and tell you about music. And for me, that was my cousin. He was uh, my cousin Mark, who sometimes listens to this podcast, and I'll be fucking testing him on this. And if he doesn't say, oh, you must be on the podcast, he's fucking dead to me. But he, he did introduce me to a lot of alternative music and this was one of the bands and he was like, oh, I want you to go to this gig with me and I was like, who the fuck is this band? Or whatever, I'll, I'll go. So anyway, um, and I'll be honest with you, I was, I was kind of blown away with this band 
And uh, I can remember the name of the, the main band. Uh, they were called Ball, B-A-W-L, as in like... Like crying. Aye. And we stayed, I think, for one song. And they were kind of like terrible kind of metal type band. They were fucking Here, let me let me just get this straight. Your cousin went to the gig to see the support band? Yes. Oh, he is my spirit animal. Yes. He went for the support act. And actually, we, we didn't stay. It was so bad. We just fucked off. Good lad. Um, but this band, they're a four-piece from uh, Chicago. Very much kind of lo-fi bedroom fuzzy guitar type band there was three singers in the band as well in a four piece uh, the only guy that didn't sing any songs was the bass player I think um, so the drummer sung songs the drummer sung songs uh, yeah. I think it's Michael Lesney um, and he sung a lot of the songs which again like completely threw the Eagles me. yeah like the Eagles very much it was like Don Henley um, so I, I loved that I, I loved that about them instantly but certainly they're a band that I think that um more people should be aware of but they seem to be like yeah kind of overshadowed by some of their contemporaries as, as I've said I really want to what I want to talk about is their first album uh, the album's called uh, Possum Trot Plan which is a kind of weird title as well it's <laughs> Possum like, Trot Plan yeah like three random words like kind of glued together and in some ways that is a kind of indication of what the what the kind of style the album was about and I think some of the criticisms of the band was they didn't they were a little bit schizophrenic their sound was a little bit up and down you had some of these really kind of like fuzzy quite loud guitar sounds and you had some more melodic stuff um, and they were a wee bit kind of kind of all over the place I, I think someone described it as like being a bit of a compilation of circa 1995 bands you know that was kind of the way that they were but for me I, I look at it a little bit more positively this was a band trying to like find their, their, their sound mm. Uh, they're very much trying to find their feet in this kind of early stages, and I, and I quite enjoy the some of the some of the, the variety on this album. It was described as, and I quite like this description, but I think it was a kind of a bit of a criticism talking about their kind of schizophrenic sound. Is uh, the warped guitars and harmonies of Yola Tango being covered by My Bloody Valentine? I think that sounds fucking That's great. great. <laughs> I'm all about that. Uh, but as I said, I like that kind of mishmash and experimentation that they that they, that they brought. And this album's got um, it's got twenty songs on it. That but um, only only I think two or three of them last more than three minutes. So it's very much <laughs> got a kind of punk ethos to it. Uh, the song is called uh, uh, "Strange and Silent Staircase," and I really love this song. It's got really nice melodic guitars. It's got these kind of vocal harmonies in the background. It's got this little nice kind of lo-fi kind of organ kind of smattering sound. Uh, a nice kind of simple sort of laid back kind of drum beat and these kind of hand claps as well. And it's, it's such a really cool chilled kind of summer song as well. And it's like this time of year, it just kind of really speaks to me. And, uh, and uh, we're going to play it for you now. I'm excited. Very excited. played that track i have actually 
purchased that. <laughs> Have you bought it? On Discogs. <laughs> yeah. Fucking good times. It was great. Very, very pavement-like. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, Reminded me a lot of bands from that time. I don't know. I don't know if I get the My Bloody Valentine reference. No, there's maybe some other songs uh, that, that they might give you that um, with the kind of heavily kind of pedaled fuzzy guitars. Uh, that, that's not one of the songs, to be fair. So that was the Moron Cup. Um, uh, any fans of that kind of genre, strongly, strongly advise go check it out. Go get the album. As Craig has just done, it's very, very cheap. Get it on. Finally. I got it still shrink wrapped for seven pounds. Fucking hell. That's dynamite. That is. Absolute dynamite. So Craig, we're gonna move swiftly on to your third and final artist of the evening. <laughs> yes, and I was I was throwing around so many ideas. Um I was gonna I was I was originally gonna talk about an artist called Weevil. However, I decided to go down the lines like Craig did to not just be unknown but underrated. And I'm going to talk about probably one of the most influential bands that you may never have heard of. And Craig talks about schizophrenic. Craig doesn't know anything about schizophrenia in music until he's heard this band. Okay. Um, the band are Cardiacs. And the album that I'm going to talk about is Big Ship, which was probably the first album of theirs where they really kind of mastered their sound. It was a mini album. I do not own it on vinyl. What I do own is the, the kind of compilation or the reissued album is known as Songs for Ships and Irons. And it combines the whole of the Big Ship mini album with the whole of the There's Too Many Irons in the Fire 12-inch as well as the B-sides from Susanna's Still Alive 12-inch. It also includes a bonus song called Everything Is Easy. Now, Cardiacs are, are hugely influential. They were formed in 1977, and they're led mm-hmm. by Mr. Tim Smith. 77? 1977. So the earliest act we've talked about in this podcast. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. They're I'm intrigued. F- I'm actually really intrigued. I am... Do you know what? I am leaning forward in my chair now. <laughs> Craig, tell me more. Okay, so they're noted for their complex, varied, and intense compositional style and for their eccentric theatrical stage shows. Okay, I'm further intrigued. So, um, artists that have named them, and this is just a few of the artists that have named them as a huge influence on in them, include Radiohead, Shular, no. Super Furry Animals. Fuck off. Um, and Ocean Size, who are a huge you, like you, you, one you, of my favourite bands. You're always going on about them. It wasn't if um, Ocean Size, especially Mike Van Art, the the leader of Ocean Size. Um, they're huge fans of Cardiac, but the list goes even further. Give me some more names. XTC. Oh, XTC. Fantagraph Generator. Nah. Um, Split Ends from New Zealand. Devo. 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 Um, so a lot of these bands are hugely influenced them, and some of these bands kind of repaid the the favor by inviting them to support them. Okay. Okay. So do you know the band Marillion? You know the old prog rock band. Of course. Where Fish? Uh, well, Fish actually personally invited Cardiacs to support them, but because their music was so out there Aye. they actually got bottled off stage every single night and actually had to drop out <laughs> no honestly they had to seriously they had to drop out of the tour shit three dates early it's about rubbish 
there was one occasion, I think it was maybe the final occasion where they actually played with Marillion, that Fish came out on stage and berated the audience. They actually got in the microphone and started berating them. So, unfazed by that, later on in their career, Blur invited Cardiacs to come and support. The exact same thing happened. Really? Balled off the stage. And there's um, going to be like people up and down the country... Switching <laughs> off. That's why we've left it till the second last time. Throwing their phones <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> what is this? Shit. Luckily, you only got to hear 30 seconds of it. <laughs> They've really pissed off a lot of people and have had some terrible things written about them. The NME reportedly banned any of their journalists writing anything positive about them. So they said you're not allowed to feature them and if you are featuring them you can't write anything positive. Freedom of press, come on. Well, I'll give you a quote from one of the reviews. Okay. Go for it. Sure McConey, was it? No, it wasn't. Uh, Residing about as comfortable as Ian Paisley in the Vatican. (laughs) Cardiacs are the sound of both feet in the grave. So they're really unlucky. I think they're such an incredible band. There was actually, they, um, they signed with Rough Trade back in the early 90s to distribute their latest album mm. at that point. And the week before it got released, Rough Trade went in, in a receivership and they lost thousands of pounds in recording and never got the album released. You know, there, there's something kind of very strange here. There seems a bit of a weird dichotomy because on one hand you've got all these like famous and very kind of seminal bands talking about how... Uh, they were a big influence on their careers, their musical sound, whatever. And then you've got the critics, the press, on the other hand, saying basically the complete opposite. They're, yep. like, they're like terrible. They're fucking boo them off stage. And well, so this, where does the truth lie, Craig? Well, the story doesn't end here. There, it's still a roller coaster. Just you, just you hold on. Well, I'm right? on the fucking edge of my seat. So eleven years does ago, one die. Uh, no, no, no. 11 years ago today... Oh, thank fuck. I was going to get haunted. Wait <laughs> there. Tim Smith, the leader of the band, nope. um, had just been to see My Bloody Valentine and suffered a huge heart attack, a cardiac arrest, um, which caused brain damage throughout hypoxia and led him to develop the rare neurological condition dystonia. Oh, for fuck's From which he is currently in the process of recovering. He's still, still there, 11 years. Well, I'm glad this pod's nice and cheery. Sorry, guys. But... Here is one piece of recognition that's huge, and it's from the city of Glasgow, because the city of Glasgow is the most wonderful city in the world. Um, the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland oh, gave him an honorary degree as a Doctor of Music nice. in 2018, so just last year. Good. Um, and his brother, who plays bass in the band, accepted the award on his behalf. So this song is called Tarred and Feathered. It was originally from the Big Ship mini LP. Right. But it's probably easier for you to get it on that compilation that I was talking about. Yeah. It can give you a bit of a headache listening to them. I'm really interested for you to give your reaction after you listen to it. You may not like it the first time, but you may want to listen to it again. Okay. I'm 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 open-minded. And we're going to listen to it now. How do I feel about that song? 
I'm not actually not too sure. Um, <laughs> Are you um, Are perplexed? Just, yeah, um, and I guess maybe that's part part of the kind of reaction they were looking to evoke. There's there's elements there that I can that I can see. Like you mentioned, the young knives. You mentioned Devo as well when we were chatting. There's definitely little bits I can pick up where I can see the influence. There's bits that disturb me. Um, some of it feels a bit like kind of kids' TV a little bit. Aye, which, aye, aye, aye. Which doesn't sit well with me. It um, doesn't sit well with you. No, I mean, it's only one song, but... I guess we're, we're, we're kind of bringing very much new, unknown, underrated uh, stuff to the table here. That's the whole point. Um, you're certainly testing testing my sort of uh, limits, I suppose, uh, with this. But I think I'm intrigued enough, and you mentioned when we were chatting, some of the later stuff is a bit more kind of proggy and uh, maybe worth checking out. But uh, aye, it was, it's bizarre. It's certainly one of the more kind of testing artists you've brought to the you brought <laughs> to the fray uh, certainly in this podcast I'd probably, I don't think there's anything else more more testing than that I'm not doing this as a test I really do think that this is a well, great I mean, band you know what, Craig, this is the whole point of this this is you sharing what you feel is underrated, underappreciated I think you unknown. should I think, um, I just, I, I love it and, and you're right, it is just one track as they kind of lose band members, they don't replace them. They just evolve their sound. So they're taking it from this multi-headed beast of saxophones and percussion, yeah. and they end up with a, a kind of power quad. There's just four of them, and it's just like hard rock, hard rocking, as, as we like to say. So, um, so it'll be interesting for you to hear some of that stuff as so well. Minute, during this, there was, where, there was more of them. There's quite a f- there's, there's, like, there's like six of them. Like a kind of symphony of fucking sounds of all. Maybe there's competing sounds here, and they, and they kind of. They are, but it was all from the mind of Tim Smith. But yeah, I, I wanted to leave you with that. So we've we went from bedroom electronica to more kind of orchestrated um, brass bands, and then taking that saxophone into this schizophrenic kind of cacophony of sounds, like mm. I say. Mm. So. Um, we're coming close to the end of this particular episode and we've got one more track and one more artist uh, to share with you and this is uh, my final one and the final one of, of, of today. And then this one is... Uh, I'm kind of laughing here because uh, I was like... Right up until today, I was unsure of who to pick for this, uh, for this final artist and... Uh, I'm denied over several different artists, and and I, f- I felt I was trying a wee bit too clever, I, and I've chosen something that I'm going to call from the E Music archives, from the vaults of E Music. Oh, good old E Music, harking and, back to the good old days where you bought tokens. Exactly, and uh, we have talked about this, or I've talked about this in previous podcasts. But I will just give you a quick recap of E Music. So this was a service pre-Spotify pre-Apple Music not pre-iTunes because iTunes was around but iTunes was a service obviously where you bought albums or individual songs but eMusic was a service that you paid a subscription and it gave you tokens and you could download albums and individual songs but for a tenner a month you can get probably about 
I've done eight albums, can't remember. Anyway, I made a recent attempt between the last pod and this pod to re-engage with my eMusic account because I googled it and it's not a fucking thing. So the problem was <laughs> the email address I used to have at that time I no longer have. So I couldn't even reset my password. So I got in touch with our support team, blah, 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 back and forth. Anyway, long story short... Yeah, listen, my name's Craig Smith. I don't know if you've heard from me, but I, 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 present, a, I, present, a, I present a podcast called Women Records, and I've mentioned e-music before. Maybe you've exactly. heard Exactly. Kind of went along that. I was like, can I get a free membership? No. But anyway, I managed to get back into the account. All the old stuff that I downloaded was still there. Ideal. There's some really cool stuff on there, and it reminded me that I discovered a lot of... You know, artists I listen to now, um, bands like Real Estate, Local Natives, War on Drugs, um, the band that will come on to, quite a lot of hip-hop stuff as well. I think I was into some, some sort of hip-hop stuff, some alternative stuff there. Um, but I basically, I wanted to pick something from the kind of e-music vault, so to speak, as a bit of a nod to ways of discovering kind of unknown, underappreciated artists. Um now, this artist you will find on streaming services everywhere, um, but it was good old e-music that was the one that introduced me to that to, to this particular artist. And uh, just doing a bit of research, I actually discovered it was named in their top 10 albums of 2008. E-music's top 10 albums of 2008. top 10 albums of 2008. Um... And I think the reason I've chosen this one is to, to kind of send the pod home. Like We've had some pretty obscure stuff, some unreachable stuff. You probably don't know this artist. You probably should know this artist. But the good thing is you can go out into Spotify, any Apple Music, wherever you get your your music and, and easily... Ex- easily... Ex- I can't even speak now. Too much rum. Easily access. That was... Yes, thank you. Um... Uh, so this artist is, is led by a singer-songwriter. They're a four-piece from Virginia, now based in San Francisco. Um, I think you'd maybe describe them as, like, kind of alternative folk. Um, alternative folk? Kind of indie folk. Uh, little elements of hip-hop beats here and there. Definitely some blues influence. Um, one of the things I really love about this artist is the, is the lead vocalist, um, so the band is and Craigie T will be familiar with this band because they did appear in the very first Craig vs Craig playlist Oh, and it is uh, Tao and the Get Down Stay Down and Tao is the lead singer sort of main protagonist of the band she's got some sort of beautiful delicate measured, almost like nonchalant vocals that kind of remind me of, uh, I suppose, like, your kind of, like, cat power type mm. vocals a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I start a really kind of great kind of indie folk type band. Uh, and this album was the first, not her first album, but the first album was a kind of band, Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down. Yep. Um, she released one album so long before that. And she does kind of tend to like jump between doing her own stuff and with with this band. Um, sort of like Neil Young. Aye, a wee bit. With, um, with Crazy Horse. Crazy Horse. Yeah, yeah. Um, not, aye, kind of, I suppose. So the track we're going to listen to, 
I was going to pick up like some obscure album track, um, but I decided to, to see us home, pick the banger of the bunch, the album, the track that made the Craig versus Craig playlist. Oh yes, and of course the song is called "Bag of Hammers." I love it, this tune. It is a banger. It's so happy, and I hope you enjoy it. I am so glad that you picked that track. It, it takes me right back to when we made those playlists, that first playlist, and um, I absolutely love that track. Um, we usually finish this podcast on a song, but in all honesty, I'm not that drunk. No, we, we tend to get to this point where, where when we play that last song, we're just relieved, so we can just like fucking not try and pretend we're sober. And it's not as if I've not drank a lot like before this podcast. We went out, we had, we had three or four drinks. Aye, we did have a few. Um, and then we had a couple of pre-mixed cans and in custom, the room. In customary fashion. Aye, so, I don't know. I mean, what's your verdict on this rum? It's it's nice. It's uh, pleasant enough. I'm glad there's not too many heavy vanilla tones there. Um, it's a little bit different for a spice rum, I suppose. Yeah, different spices to what I'm used to. As I mentioned before, there is this kind of overarching taste of something I can't describe what it is but it's not pleasant not unpleasant but I just wish it wasn't there as heavy 40 quid a bottle no I think there's so much better you can give her 40 quid and less so I'm sorry so for drum value not good uh, my third rating I don't even know what it is but Maybe. What else, what else could I do? <laughs> <laughs> I just like three things in oh, three. I totally get that. Um, the presentation. Of the presentation. Bottle. Presentation. Great. It was another one that you pay fucking forty quid for it. <laughs> Cur- curb appeal was the call it in the house game. That's that. You know, I saw it sitting in the shelf there, thinking that looks pretty good. But anyway, I wouldn't like advise you not to buy it, but I wouldn't advise you to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you want. We'll I'm, leave that in your own hands. I'm sitting in the fence. Mm. It's not for us, and we're not saying that we're aficionados. We you just like drinking rum and listening to records. Far from it. Anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure again. Uh, we hope we've enjoyed this episode. We've kind of indulged our kind of self a little bit. Yeah, thanks for letting us have an absolute wank fest. And and don't worry, we're going to get back to kind of more sort of. Uh, Stuff that more people will know about, shall we say. Yeah, we'll, we'll exit our own arses <laughs> in the next episode. <laughs> but thanks for indulging us. Yes, um, I hope that much. hasn't put you off listening to any more of these podcasts. But we just felt like after um, doing Yacht Rock and being woefully underinformed that, <laughs> <laughs> that we decided, you know what, let's, let's, just, um, let's just treat ourselves. Treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for indulging us. We'll see you again on the next episode.